But I do want to remind you that we're still in the series on the power of the Holy Spirit and what He does for us. And we got into this because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to have the wisdom from God. And the last few weeks, we've been looking at the fact that there are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world. There's the wisdom of the flesh, of the natural. But there's the wisdom of God. There's the wisdom of heaven. And so uh, we want to tap into the wisdom of God not neglecting the wisdom of this world because we're down here, we're living in it, so we have to have a knowledge of it. But it's not to be our sole source of knowledge. And our primary source of knowledge needs to be God's Word. And when you get that in line, the rest of everything else will come in line as well. We've been looking at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit for us to know how to walk with God. And um, when I say this, I want us to understand that when I'm talking about walking with the Holy Spirit, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And we have to... Um, be intentional to be with the Holy Spirit. And we have to pursue the wisdom that comes from God. If you think that God is just obligated to download it to you, He's not. It's for those who are wanting it and those who will pursue it. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will help you to pursue the wisdom of God if you want it. And, you know, sometimes we think that, well, we're, we're born again and um, that means we can walk in the wisdom of God. No, that's just the beginning of walking in the wisdom of God. Because when you become born again, you're as an infant. You're as a babe. And so you have to grow. And to grow in your faith, you have to grow in your wisdom from God. <clears throat> and so we won't walk in the wisdom of God until we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to the pursuing of God's word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we've looked at this as well. Verse 14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. I mean, that's, that's plain and simple. And then he goes on, he says, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so, without the Holy Spirit, without being born again, we cannot understand the ways of God. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> We're not going to look at it this morning because I think we've looked at it enough. But in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, he talks about the two kinds of wisdom. And he talks about how the wisdom of this world is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. But the wisdom from God is peaceable. And so, James does describe the natural wisdom producing bitter jealousy or envy and selfish ambition. And... It gets progressively worse when you look at the progression that James makes. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. But I've tried to say this in the past, but I, I want to make sure that we're clear on this as well. Your sin life will happen the same way. You will start off with a little bit of sin, but then you will graduate to a greater sin, and you will graduate 
to even greater sin. There's a progression. If you think that you're going to sin and you're going to go against God's Word and that's the only thing that you're going to go against it on, you're crazy. You're fooling yourself. Because the enemy, if he has lied to you and gotten you to sin in this area, there's other areas that he has lined up for you. And you will say yes to them until you come back to God. <clears throat> we learned last week in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus came to Jesus secretly at night because he didn't want to be found out. And Jesus spoke to him about the two kinds of wisdom, the two kinds of understandings. And so I, I'm hopefully laying that foundation so that we know this. And then we've looked at Genesis chapter 4 where Cain gave his anger, gave into his anger towards God and took it out on his brother Abel and killed him. <clears throat> The reason that that is important to us, and I'm going to give you some more reasons scripturally in a minute. The reason this is so important is because anger is so powerful. And if we don't deal with it properly and immediately with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's going to fester in us. And I'm telling you, there is no good thing that comes from anger. There is no good thing that comes from anger. <clears throat> and so we have to. It's our responsibility to keep anger from taking root in our lives. But if it's there and, and I, if you were late in being born again, I'm sure that it, it's there. Then if it's in us, then we have to root it out. We have to get rid of it. We have to cleanse ourselves from it. And, you know, it's our responsibility to do that. God's not going to come and take the anger away from you. We have to do it. Now, he'll help us, but we're the ones that have to do it. And just as God gave Cain an opportunity to, an opportunity to repent, God gives us an opportunity to repent as well. If you make mistakes, God is not going to uh, take it and, and beat us with it. He, he's going to give us opportunity to repent. He's going to speak to you and he's going to tell you this is wrong. I need you to repent and we need to repent. OK. And if we don't, we have to understand, just as he told Cain. When he gave him that out, he said sin is crouching at the door, but it's our responsibility to master it. It wants to rule us, but we're the ones who have to rule it. And our anger can be seen in the division and the separation that we leave behind us. You just look at the journey, the path that you've left and see how much division, how much separation are you causing? And if it's there, realize that's from your anger. It's not from anything else. Now, we can spiritualize it, but I'm telling you, it's anger. Because God is not into separating. And we see that in the life of Cain, that there was a division by death because of the bitter jealousy and envy and selfish ambition that he harbored in his heart. And 
So if we aren't careful and don't let God shed his light on and in our hearts, we can be very angry at God and yet be peaceful on the outside for a while. And I'm going to share this because I've shared it before, but we have enough new people that I can share it. Um, Our anger can be passive. And what I mean by that is you can look good on the outside, but you're full of anger and hatred and rage on the inside. And I played sports all of my life. And in 10th grade in high school, I'm, I'm getting a physical to play soccer. And the doctor tells me, he said, hey, you have high blood pressure. You need to go get this checked out. My dad's in the military and the Navy, so we went to the doctor's. They changed my diet. They put me on all kind of blood pressure medicine. Nothing happened. And I had a good diet beforehand. I had bags of Fritos. I mean, I could eat a bag of Fritos in one sitting. It it didn't bother me at all. And so they changed my diet, told my mom not to put salt on my food and all this other stuff. And so... You know, and gave me medicine and nothing happened. And then when I was a senior in high school, I came to know the Lord. And so at that point, my blood pressure came down a little bit. And so I was grateful for that. And then they checked it for the rest of my time in high school. And it had come down enough that they said it was okay that, you know, they took me off all my meds. But they said, you need to keep the keep checking this. And so then you have to realize, okay, I looked happy on the outside, but I was angry on the inside. There was rage that was inside of me and there was hatred that was inside of me towards my dad because of how he treated us and how he treated my mom. And after I came to know the Lord, my blood pressure went down but I still checked it. And then when I was a junior in college at Virginia Tech, which, by the way, they won yesterday. Now that's a rarity, but at least they won. And thank you, Larry Lathrop, for supporting the Hokies too. Even when he's down in Florida, he lets me know how well they're doing. But I met Virginia Tech and the Lord tells me, You need to write your dad a letter. Now, he tells me this because I'm reading the scripture. I'm studying the scripture. And it says that as you forgive others, that's how your heavenly father is going to forgive you. And so I'm like, okay, God, we have to put this on pause then because I'm in trouble. Because if you forgive me like I forgive my dad, then I'm not forgiven. And I didn't want his anger to be towards me. I didn't want his wrath to be towards me. And so I was like, okay, God, I said, I'm going to repent of that. And I did. And I confessed it and asked for forgiveness. And I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, good, write your dad a letter and apologize. So I did. Do you know that my blood pressure came down to normal? I'm telling you, we can be passive. We can look good on the outside. But it's what's on the inside that God is after. And we can fool people as well. 
And you have to realize that I was athletic at the time too. There was no reason that I should have high blood pressure, especially after the diet, the change of the diet, I should say. We have to be careful. In Matthew chapter 23, this is what Jesus says. Starting in verse 25, Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. That's a pretty strong word. But it also lets us know what God is after. He's not after our outward appearance. He's after our heart. He's after what makes us tick. He goes on in verse 27. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, that, that's some tough words. And so, I, I just want to encourage you, when we're dealing, since we're in this little talk about anger, it's our responsibility to allow the Lord to look at our heart, to examine our heart. But then once he examines them and he tells us that there's something wrong with them, we need to change. We need to repent. We need to do what he needs us to do to cleanse us. But it's our responsibility to allow the Lord to examine us and reveal to us where we're not like him. And we do this together with the Holy Spirit in the word of God. Because when I was reading God's word, and I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me because he's like, you know, you're in trouble. And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm in trouble. So we change and we become his witnesses by allowing God to show us his ways in his word and then doing it, obeying it. If you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is writing this, but he must have known about Matthew. Second Timothy chapter two, starting in verse 19, says this. But God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his and. Everybody say and. Because we will rejoice in the fact that God knows us and he, you know, but there's an and there. And. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, <coughs> excuse me, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, and I say therefore, if anyone 
Are you an if anyone? Yes, you are. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. Okay, it's our responsibility to do this. If anyone will do this, this is what's going to happen to us. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to be changed. And we have to have the word of God working in our lives. We have to be willing to obey the Holy Spirit when he speaks to us. And together, that's when we're going to be changed. We can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to change. Because God sees the real us. You know, we can put a, a mask on and, a, and look good on the outside, but God sees the real us. He knows our hearts. He knows our hearts better than we know our own hearts. That's why it's so important that we ask Him. And then let's continue in this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 22. So we just finished 21. So this is what it looks like. If you're going to put these verses that we just read into practice, this is what it looks like in verse 22. So flee useful, youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of or call on the Lord from a pure heart have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies you know that they breed quarrels okay so he's talking about worldly wisdom verse 24 and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so I just want to encourage you with this. This is our responsibility. We have to do this. We have to allow the Lord to do this. But we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just to know that we're born again and on our way to heaven, but to be transformed into His witnesses while we wait down here, before we go to heaven. In dealing with this anger and how we're here, you know, we all have issues that God needs to bring, begin to deal with this on in his timing, in his way. But it's our responsibility to stay true to him and stay in tune with him and what he wants to do in us and then to allow him to do that in us so that the Holy Spirit can bring us into a place of freedom. You know, it says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I, and I want us to know that I believe that freedom is freedom from all the junk and all the crap that the enemy has laid on us. And, and God just begins to set us free from that, to undo the things that the enemy has done and to loose all of that and bring us into that freedom. 
But we only get it by agreeing and cooperating and submitting to the Holy Spirit and His ways. He has a freedom that is a freedom from the bondage of our natural, earthly, unspiritual minds and hearts have conjured up. And since we have found our way here talking about anger, when we walk in our natural understanding in the flesh realm, I want to finish reminding us that God takes anger very seriously. He mentioned it in Matthew chapter 23. We see it in Genesis with Cain. God's given him a way out. He takes anger very seriously. And I believe that part of the reason he does that is because he knows how detrimental the power of anger is in our lives. And it starts with being angry at God first, just like it was with Cain. But then it works its way out either outside to other people in us and defiles many or it wreaks havoc on us inwardly in our physical bodies and causes problems. And when we allow that anger to fester, it's going to defile many. And we have to be paying close attention to that. Our anger will make its way out into those in our lives or deeper into our own lives. It will. You can't think that you're going to harbor anger in your heart and it's not going to affect anybody. It will. And we foster anger when we deem that God is unfair. And then we begin to hold bitter jealousy or bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 5, please. So I believe that part of the reason God hates it, hates anger in our lives is because of what it does in our lives. But I also believe that God hates anger because he had to deal with this in the throne room. When the enemy rebelled against God, he wanted something that God had. That for some reason he thought it was his. It should be. He was the angel of worship. And yet instead of worshiping God. He wanted the worship. And you can find the scriptures that support all this. And, and so we have to see this. That that's why I believe that Jesus. And we're going to see another statement he makes as well. That we have to be very careful about our anger. And letting it settle in us. That's why it's so important for us to take inventory of our lives. Don't let anger fester in you. Whatever you're angry about, let it go. Give it to God. Now, I realize it's going to be a process, but begin that process. You're going to have to repent. I understand that. Repent. You know, I used to struggle with... Uh, Father's Day, my dad's birthday, Christmas time, my birthday, because of how he acted 
on all of our birthdays. I used to struggle with that. And then when those days would come up, even though I had forgiven my father, those days would come up and, and all of those feelings would And then I would be like, God, what? I thought I forgave him. And he said, you did, but now you got to talk to your emotions. And so I began to take authority over my emotions and I would declare over, you know, and it wasn't just my dad, whatever I needed to deal with. And this is how you get over your emotions, okay? You declare that you've forgiven them, but this is the second part that you have to do. You begin to pray for them and you begin to ask God to bless them. And I'm going to tell you, you can't be angry at somebody for very long when you're asking God to be with them and God to bless them and God to use them. It doesn't take much for you to say, oh, I got to let that go. And so I'm telling you, forgive, but then also you have to begin to release your emotions. And, and I mean, I remember saying to myself, no, I'm not going to feel that way. We're not going there. We're not going to meditate on that. We're not going to think about that. And then you start praying for them. Whew. It'll undo you. Genesis chapter 6. I don't know how to begin this, but we're just going to jump into it, okay? You guys are studious enough. You'll go back and you'll read this. So Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, that alone is a strong statement. That's strong. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Everybody say, but. But, verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, let me, we have to pause because we don't think about this when we're reading this. Sometimes we read things and we just, you know. Okay, there's nothing but wickedness on the face of the earth. Okay? But it says, but Noah found favor with God. So I'm here to tell you, if you think that you can't live a righteous life in this world, you can. It takes a lot of work, but you can do it. It doesn't matter what is going on around you. What really matters is what's going on inside of you. How willing are you to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and to lead you according to God's word? So verse 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. When was he righteous? He was righteous when all hell was breaking loose on the face of the earth. When there was nothing but evil continually. 
Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. How many times have you heard people say, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can live for God in this world nowadays. What? Yes, you can. You can still do what is right. But you have to be willing to die to yourself for it. Verse 10. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. I mean, now we're taking it up a notch. They were evil continuously. Now we see on the, there was violence filled the earth. And God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Who corrupted it? Man did. Flesh. The natural. Verse 13, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so then he talked about Tell him, build the ark, and you know there's a flood coming. He didn't even know what a flood is. But he does it by faith. But notice the violence that is on the earth. And if you are not living secluded, you know that there's violence on the earth now as well. I mean, that's what happens when we allow ourselves to not walk with God and not to be corrected by God and, and not to repent. And not to rely and trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. It's easy for us to stay angry. You don't even have to do anything to be angry. All you have to do is breathe. But to get rid of it, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to read His Word. You're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit in you. I know I'm going long, but we're almost done. Then we're going to receive communion. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, please. This is one of the first things that Jesus said. And so I just want to encourage you. I think it's important that we understand the importance of anger in God's mind. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, he says this, and this is part of the Beatitudes. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Everybody say murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Okay, so now he, he's talking about murder and he's talking about judgment. Okay? And he says, this is what you've heard. Verse 22. But I say to you that if anyone is angry with his brother, say that with me, angry with his brother. This is what will happen. Will be liable of judgment. Same thing. He's putting anger and murder in the same category. And we're going to sit here and we're going to think, well, I can be angry. Hmm. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I got to tell you, Jesus takes anger seriously. God does. Let it go. Make a commitment today that whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to give you my anger. 
I'm going to give you the anger that I'm angry with you at. But I'm going to let the others free as well. And when you set them free, you're really setting yourself free. You're not in bondage to them anymore. You're not going to allow their thoughts to bombard your thoughts. And you're going to find out that they're not thinking of you anymore. We have in our minds before we forgive that all they're doing is thinking up ways to wreak havoc on our lives. No, they're not. They're not even thinking about you. They're not even paying attention to you. You're just paying attention to them by holding on to that bitterness. We're going to close with this and then we'll receive communion. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. And it says this in Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't know how to do that. You know, the Scripture talks about a righteous anger. and That's great, but... We have to learn how to be angry and do not sin. That's not natural to anybody that I know. And then he says this, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And I bring this up because we kind of weaved our way into this little series about anger. And being a pastor for over 32 years, people have an anger issue. I don't care how long you've been saved. It's like forgiveness. It needs to be spoken of on a regular basis because we need to remind ourselves of the blessing of forgiving others. And I want to tell you, there's a blessing in letting go of your anger. And as we receive communion, if those that are going to help share, pass it out, will make their way forward. As we receive communion, I pray that we receive it, making the commitment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to lead us and to free us from our anger. Now, in receiving communion, if, if you've given your life to the Lord, you're free to Receive this. If you haven't, then just let it go by and nobody's going to think anything else about you. But I just want to encourage you that this is a reminder that God loves us. And His command, we read last week, is for us to love one another. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to do that.